0: This is the New Canaan Society podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter. We are a group of men who gather together to encourage each other in friendship and in faith, and to support each other to be better husbands, fathers, and better men in the marketplace and in our communities. Friendship at NCS happens through our regular meetings in local chapters all across the country. The Franklin, Tennessee chapter meets the first and third Thursday each month at Puckett's Grocery and Restaurant in downtown Franklin from 7 to 8 a.m. This podcast is sponsored by Harrington Interactive Media. Working on a book? Let us help you get it to print. We can edit your book, design the cover, and help you list it on Amazon's print-on-demand services. See examples of our work and connect with us at HarringtonInteractive.com. In this episode, Keith Branson shares his talk called Abortion and Men, recorded on October 3rd, 2019.
1: Good morning. Thank you, Larry, um, Wes, and Andy for helping set this up and and the society to be a platform to tell um, my story, but also for us to explore this whole issue around abortion and men. I've already prayed a prayer, but I thought I'd just start by telling you what the prayer was because God's already heard it. Um, I want you to know that I basically said uh, Yahweh our Elohim and Abba uh, that he blessed this time and place that he um, sent the Holy Spirit to be able to open up ears and minds and hearts to what needs to be uh, received within that the words that are said are the words that He wants to be said, nothing more. So, having prayed that, I'm in a minute going to start and I'm going to dive into the text of my story for you. But that prayer calls me to pause because before I can do that, um, I feel God has put in my heart to just say, Someone here, maybe many here, that, that you're truly, deeply loved, and don't hear that as just a platitude. You're you're sought after by God. He wants you to turn and face His glory and come back to Him and walk with Him. To whatever you've been through, the losses, the pains, the hurts, the things that you have put away but not dealt with. He wants you to, to walk open and free. So, wherever you are, I had to say that before I could go forward because the whole reason I'm here is about obedience. Amen? So, on occasion, I introduce myself in the following way to initiate a discussion and provoke a response. Hi, I'm Keith Branson, Father of Five. The three children I talk about a lot are the ones I saw born. I've held them, laughed with them, cried with them, and everything else that comes with parenting. But of the other two, I didn't talk about them to anyone for many years. Until a few years ago, I had not spoken of them to more than a handful of people ever. They did not make choices that were bad or embarrassed me in some way. They never even had a chance to do anything right or wrong. They were taken from the room before they were old enough to go in on their own. They were aborted. My lips were sealed. My secret had been locked up for many years. I left the for-profit world in my 20s and began a career of ministry that took me through many parts of the United States and around the world. One of the reasons I wanted to help others was to try to immerse myself in the situations that were desperate enough that I would not think about my own pain and failings. I became an ordained pastor and elder, serving as the marriage and family pastor in a megachurch. One day, a woman approached me and asked if I would help her create a healing service to expand the closing ceremony that she did in her abortion healing class for women. She felt that if the men and extended families of the ladies were included in a service, that it might bring about more healing and closure for the women. I gathered the various ministry leaders within the church together to explore the idea. The leaders of the men's ministry, women's ministry, Stephen's ministry, recovery groups, and the elders joined in and made an event happen. We actually did this event for three years in a row. The announcement and invitation went out to anyone who had had an abortion, miscarriage, or stillbirth to attend a service by their spouses, boyfriends, or fiancés, and any other family that they wanted to come. The idea was to blend the types of infant death together to lessen any chance of the stigma of abortion. The service was to acknowledge that life was gone, that we would not get to enjoy on this earth, regardless of how they died. It was very well attended and it demonstrated the great need for help with grieving and closure from the death of a child. During that first planning time, several men from the men's ministry pulled me aside and asked if we could go into my office and talk for a minute. For the next two hours, I listened to stories from these men of their grief from past abortions. Some had made the decision or agreed with the decision and had taken the women to the abortion clinic. Others had tried in vain to stop the abortion from happening. I cried with the men and thought about how many men there must be suffering in silence about abortion with no place to share the burden. The irony of it was that I sat there that morning with those men, comforting them with any words or scripture I could think of, but I never shared my story with them. Why? it was locked up
0: in my secret box that even there and then I couldn't bring myself to share.
1: No invitation to prayer vigils, marches, pickets, rallies to show aborted baby parts, or legislative petitions ever moved me to action. My secrets were kept locked in a box, buried deep in me, away from my thoughts and feelings. It was never to be opened or shared with anyone. The pain continued to haunt me over the decades the secret box on january 22, 2013 40 years had passed since the supreme court ruled that the relationship between a woman and her doctor was a private affair not subject to governmental interference. men were not mentioned in that ruling and have had almost no voice in the decision since in mid-january before any news broke of the coming roe v. wade anniversary i had a vision was only a few seconds in duration but it unlocked the secrets stored inside me for decades during an afternoon quiet time alone at home i suddenly saw a scene in my mind that was a view high above a landscape covered with men as far as i could see there were men standing kneeling some were holding on to one another others with hands stretched out and up and many with heads bowed as the scene zoomed in closer i could see that all the men were in pain Maybe English is a better word to describe the looks on their faces. I was confused by what I had seen. And yet, just as I had a questioning thought about it, I heard or felt the statement, I had protected your eyes from the sea of blood. Immediately, the picture expanded to show me the ground beneath the men. There was a sea of blood. And the men were all standing or kneeling in it. Then I realized the vision was about abortion. I hadn't thought about abortion in years. There had been no stories or blogs about abortion to bring up any memories. This had just come out of the blue. But why was this happening to me? The voice returned and said, go and tell your story. Be healed and help others be healed. What? I felt a wave of fear come over me. I I was supposed to break the seal of my abortion story box and tell people about them? Really? Okay. I know if I was hearing about this so-called vision from some guy, I would have my skeptical reaction to it. But I can guess I can only tell you it was as real as if I'm watching television and her voice was just as clear and authoritative as any speaker I've ever heard. I knew that I had to obey these instructions. I began sharing what I had just experienced with my wife. Then I told her all my past, not just the selective part I had chosen to reveal. It was hard, but very good. The tears we shared together were healing. The compassion she gave me was healing. A piece of heaviness was lifting. I reasoned that if I were to tell my story, then the first to know would need to be my inner circle of family. I met with my children and told them. They had two siblings that were in heaven now, and one day we would all meet. Their tears and hugs were such a medicine in my aching heart. My brother and my dad had already died, so The last on my immediate list was my mother, and she was also very gracious and caring to me. Go and tell your story, be healed. I began to see the process at work that I had been instructed to do. As I shared my story, the root of my soul was mending. The shame and guilt that had lingered long after I had sought God for forgiveness was being removed. I saw the antidote for shame. To be transparent and authentic with your failures to someone who would respond with love and compassion. Let me say that again, the antidote for shame. To be transparent and authentic with your failures to someone who would respond with love and compassion. For the next year, I had over 400 conversations with men. About abortion men, I met with clergy, counselors, men's leaders, leaders, pro-life, pro-choice, pregnancy center staff, volunteers, and others in various occupations. What struck me as most odd was that none of them had ever put the words abortion and men together in the same sentence. Men were not thought about. And at that time, only one person in the hundreds that I spoke with had ever thought about the words abortion and men in the same sentence. West children. Another surprising and frustrating outcome of my new freedom to share about the pain and the loneliness felt by men around the topic of abortion was the reluctance of the Christian community and clergy to address the issues publicly. On one occasion, I shared my story in a private group of pastors. Of the seven men in the room, five of us had had abortions in our past. Most of the men had known one another for many years. And this was the first and most likely the last time they shared it with anyone. We experienced a crack in time where their vulnerability was shown. Then gone, sealed up again. Letting people know my secret is risky, but it's also free. To let a burden be shared with others can make it lighter. Galatians 6, 2 tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's a level of healing by letting it out. There's a sense of purpose from doing so. If the telling helps someone else that is burdened, or if it prevents it from occurring in someone else's life, it's all worth it. And help others be healed. The third step in the direction was happening as I was being healed. I would softly raise the question to an individual or a group of people, what do you think about abortion in men? The look of surprise was becoming commonplace to me. After the usual response, they had not thought about the two together. I would give a brief account of my story. Many times, someone asked to grab a coffee with me later, one on one. Sometimes I would hear a man's story immediately about his past. The sharing of the burdens was helping me and them to heal. Many questions have been asked in the conversation about abortions, and I've been careful to be discreet in my details, because I've never had the opportunity to have permission from the women involved to share our story. I've asked questions, been asked questions about my feelings, or I've, how have I thought about what it would be like if they had not been aborted. One guy asked me a little sarcasm. Well, I saw the video you were in last Father's Day from Save the Storks. Wow! So, are you embarrassed by that? Weeping over the internet where thousands have seen it? I answered, no. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to mourn the loss of a life. Are you able to mourn at a family member's funeral? If not, I am sad for you. Sometimes questions are asked about abortion in Christianity. As a Christian, I've gone to our best resource, the Bible, to seek clarity. I found that the Bible never addresses the issue of abortion directly, yet. I found teachings that make God's view on abortion very clear. Genesis 1, 26-27, and 9-6 says, It's the death of a human being made in God's image, and its killer should have a death penalty too. Exodus 21 2-25 2-25 tells of the same penalty of death for someone who causes the death of a baby in the womb. As for someone who commits murder to God considers the baby in the womb as a human life. Psalm 139, 13-16 speaks of God's active role in our creation and formation in the womb. Jeremiah 1:5 tells that God knows us before He forms us in the womb. So how did I end up here? I mean like just here, here. What put me in a position to have such moral failure that led to unwanted pregnancies? Let me take you back further in time to a couple of life markers I can tie it to. During my middle school years, I had an older guy suggest we camp out together. I was excited that an older guy would have an interest in hanging out with me. In the night, he rubbed, stroked, and then performed oral sex on me. It was sudden and unexpected. I felt pleasure and disgust. His request for me to reciprocate was met with a firm refusal. Now, fast forward to me as an adult in a men's group discussion about sex. I told the campout story for my youth for the first time to anyone. There's a guy in the group who says, That was abuse! I'm like, what? sexual abuse. You need to call it what it was. Me. Well, I never put it that way in my mind. I had filed it away as a queer thing that had happened to me in my youth. That guy, seriously, man, you were violated. Me. Well, okay, I have had an extreme reaction to the topic of homosexuality with inner rage and anger toward homosexuals and I don't enjoy sleeping around a bunch of men. So, okay, maybe I can see that. The guy says, good. Now, consider the impact that's had on you that you joked away or stuffed. Shame, anger, denial. You were a victim. I'm not saying you need to have a victim mindset, but you need to acknowledge that you were violated and owned that. The guy was right. It had made a mark on me. I knew I didn't have any attraction to men, but oral sex felt good, so it left me wondering, what would that be like to a woman? missing piece of my life then was my dad. He was busy driving his long haul moving truck across the United States, far from his son's growing up physically, mentally, emotionally. Where was he when I needed to process things like this? Gone. It was not something I felt I could tell my mom or anyone else, so I put it away in what became my secret box. Let me give a side note, I'm not mentioning these things in any way to dishonor my parents they both were amazing people honoring them does not mean that i should not acknowledge the truth about my life with him you understand so in my high school senior year a friend met with me and told me he saw my mother on a dinner date with another guy soon the truth unraveled that she and this guy were in love They divorced their spouses, blew up their existing families and married. When I asked my dad what happened, he had no answers. He had no clue. When I asked my Heavenly Father why, he didn't tell me anything either. So, with extreme disappointment in my dad, rage at the guy who married my mom, and a loss of faith in a loving, protecting Heavenly Father, I became a father. I left my hometown for college and found escape from the devastation of that disruption in my life trajectory. I joined a social fraternity and began living in complete debauchery. There was, the mystery of sexual uh, pleasure with women was solved. I immersed myself in the quest of fun. My goal to uh, escape pain whatsoever. The results of my divorce from God were drunkenness, and two unwanted pregnancies. One day, sitting alone in a house I shared with two of the gods, I had a wake-up call. It was very rare for the place to be quiet, but this afternoon I sat alone and I heard or felt a voice saying, God is no longer here or near. I couldn't remember later, was it here or near? But that's partly because just after those words, I felt the room become the temperature of a walk-in freezer. The quiet, extremely cold sensation made me think about God and that this must be what it would be like without His presence. I immediately fell and prayed for forgiveness and asked Him to draw me near. Peace and warmth filled me. It was 35 years from the moment my Heavenly Father challenged me a prodigal to repent and come home. During the years since, I have grown and healed. And I've helped many in ministry in Jesus' name. But there was the one thing that I could not let it out. I was beyond my ability to release it to God until He, with mercy, came to me and told me to do so. The burden I carried for so long was not necessary for me to do alone. It's likely we all know someone who's had the pain and guilt or shame of abortion. It's projected that roughly one-third of the women will have an abortion during their reproductive lifetime. We can only imagine the statistics for men. But imagine if one out of three men you meet have been a part of abortion, willingly or not. It would suggest that would include some people some of the documentation on the history of abortions, men are blamed directly or as part of the behind-the-scenes power that has helped legalize or perpetuate abortions. There are scores of men who have been devastated by abortion as well. Men who hear my story may find similarities in their journey in life or someone else they know about. Those of you who are post-aborted men and are fortunate enough to have children that were born, you can take heart that being a great father to those children is possible you can be healed from the pain and guilt and shame that drive your fear and anger and depression and more there are scars that will remain from the wounds caused by abortion they can serve as a reminder of what happens the pain can be lessened and more and more until there's just an occasional storm of grief that comes and then goes grieving the loss of your children is a good thing for healing have grief shows that you have loved. Let me repeat that. To have grief shows that you have have loved. There are many resources for processing grief and being a good father. My story is offered as a platform for you to stand on and assess where you are, and then with hope move forward for a better future. The topic of abortion includes so much more than death of a human life. It's about the death of future hopes, dreams, and memories to be created. It's about choices to cause harm and death. It's about long-term suffering and grief and healing for many people connected to the event, the parents, the extended family, the siblings, present and future, and many others. No matter how a life ends, it starts the beginning of living without that person from that day forward. There's another quote that I love from C.S. Lewis, You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Denny Brownlee to have that, and part of the reason is uh, a few speeches back, Denny spoke and there was uh, talk about C.S. Lewis, and I believe he's collecting C.S. Lewis quotes, so I urge you to send those to him, but but this is a break to also recognize that in God's amazing mystery, I think that everything that is said up here is ultimately woven together there's a thread, a theme, he's weaving a tapestry that we can only see the knots each week under, underneath But When we get to see the top, we'll see the beauty of how the restoration of man and, and our, our healing together in support of each other is, is real. So as warrior men, you should check under your armor that you're putting on to see if there's shrapnel still in your chest, torn places in your spirit that will hinder your walk and fight. As peacemakers, make sure you are at peace within yourself. Matthew 5.4 says, Blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. What that looked like, what that looks like is grieving is done alone. But mourning is done with others. So comfort and healing then will be your blessing. It's my prayer that you will be able to be free from your burdens. I'm committed to helping other men get relief from their past and make wise choices for the future. The reality is that if you had a baby that you helped conceive and it was awarded, that was your child too You can't raise him or her now. However, you can let that life count for something special. I'm the father of five with a long guarded box of secrets now open to the life. And as I tell and retell my story, I'm healing. My story helps others. It honors my never born children, and they become an enduring part of my healing, my hope, and my life. I want to pause right here for a minute and take a beat. Are we okay? I had a lot coming at you. I got a little more if you want me to go on. All right. I want to give you a couple more minutes of things to wrap up with some takeaways for you to use in your own life assessment. If I get defensive and seek to justify what happened, I start to talk about those early years of my life in rebellion, a prodigal from my Christian upbringing. I cast blame, I pass the buck, I deflect to something else. It was her or their fault. I was not in my right mind, whatever I want to say, to avoid the feeling of sadness or grief. Relief, as it turns out, and sometimes one of the first stages of grief. Consciously or unconsciously, I felt relief. I was off the hook. No one will know. Life can go on without this burden or responsibility. But then I moved into denial. And denial is something that can last for years. You could say, well, it's not really a big deal, it doesn't affect me, everyone's better off. When in denial, you believe you've just shaken it off, brushed it away. When you really have pushed the hurt and loss down deep. You hide it in a secret place, maybe a lockbox, that keeps it out of your mind. Over time, it will come back. It will be, maybe soon, or it may come and go, but it will return, suddenly, nagging, condemning, Maybe you have mastered the idea of taking your thoughts captive, but I assure you, you cannot control your emotions. So then comes anger. You dwell on your hurt. Forgiveness is considered, but with conditions. you out, hurling words, screaming, yelling, unexpressed, this leads to bitterness. And we're warned in Ephesians 4.31. But all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then depression sets in. There's guilt, shame, self-condemnation, self-pity, escape, the pain, excessive drug or alcohol abuse, suicidal thoughts, aggressive and abusive tendencies, unconscious need to punish yourself, self-destruction, sabotage your life sabotage your life situation or your job, you don't feel you deserve it. I had numbness that came when I learned about the abortion decisions, the shock of being told after it was done, and the pain of the aftermath. I've experienced what many men have in the post-abortion days and years that follow. Denial, irritability, negativity, regret, remorse, guilt, loss, anger, criticism, escaping into drugs, alcohol, even ministry activities to try to manage painful feelings of sadness. I could. I found that I could deeply repress most of those areas of loss and pain, but when I faced these feelings, it created a sense of weakness and vulnerability. If a man has been involved in some way with his child being aborted, and when I just listed about, like will likely familiar to him. But let me be more inclusive, and also say that any loss, big or small, can lead to these outcomes too. It's it's like a cup is picture your cup, and and you start having little losses. They can be small, disappointments, hurts, but then they begin to accumulate in that cup, and it takes a long time. But from your youth through your life, if you've not been able to get to a place that you can release that, forgive that, and deal with that, it's gonna eventually, that cup will be packed and overflowing. It's out of that overflow is where we have the problems. If I was on a weekend retreat with you guys and I had the time, I could walk you through all the joys and victories as well as the losses in my life. There's this good but difficult exercise that has you make a timeline of your life and you identify both the joys and the sorrows. And then you put a date and an emotion to it and so forth. So the final stage, and this is with the help of God and others, is acceptance. You're no longer angry with yourself. You've made mistakes and you've accepted it. You're ready to surround yourself with God's loving forgiveness. You begin to express gratitude for the growth that you've experienced. You desire to share with others what you've learned. You eagerly watch God turn your painful experiences into blessings. You have a deeper understanding of God's plan for your life and can see how this painful process of grieving fits into his plan. You realize the past and others can't be changed, but your response can be changed. You can forgive unconditionally and make room in your life for love. With acceptance, I could finally get real and say both abortions were terrible things that happened. I can own it and admit that they were wrong and tragic events that I caused. I take personal responsibility. I could have prevented the death of my two children. I put two women in a situation where they had to make a choice that I wish they never had had to make. Even with acceptance of what I'd done, brokenness, prayers to God for forgiveness, I still would not consider telling you With God's direction to me, like he may be giving to you right now today, and with others who cared about me and supported me unconditionally, I'm able to share this with you now. handout that was on the table and I just want to point this out to you. Um, One side says what men can do. And I offer this as different things that could help you in taking this topic to a place. Um, Start by Googling about abortion in men. It's pretty fascinating. Now, after Time has gone for me being in a place I felt like no one ever talked about abortion in men. Now they are, and the impact on men is being recognized. So I would urge you to consider where you are with these things, and hopefully with a story and some of these tools, you're equipped to have a conversation with other men. Sit down and just, in a really neutral way, say, hey, what do you think about abortion in men? And see what comes from that. You may unlock somebody's pain and suffering that they had nowhere else to ever express. Or you may get a weird look like, what did you say? And you can say, well, you know, I heard this guy talking about abortion and men. It's kind of interesting. What do you think about that? And it can open up all kinds of discussions about faith and your walk and your marriage and your kids and your grandkids. So talk about abortion and men. Um, just get involved in ways that can help other people heal. You can look at what's going on in the churches, uh, challenge the ministry leaders to make this a topic of discussion. There's healing groups. .org is not on here, but it's a retreat. It's out of Chattanooga, but now they're internationally too. I went to that. It was the second group of co-ed. It was powerful to go through a weekend intensive to be able to process and deal with some of these things. Um, Hope Clinic in Nashville, Hope Clinic for Women, has uh, situations where you can get involved with uh, mentoring, with uh, coming along with people who are uh, wanting a pregnancy. Paul, you're a part of some of this work. Anything you want to share on that? pregnancy centers in Tennessee and other ways to get involved with that financially and actually men to men. powerful things. So I just want you to see this list, take it with you, uh, see what God's leading you to do. Start inside. Are you healed? For whatever it is. I mean, the silliest things that might seem you be discounted could be in denial, but you can probably see the fruit of that seeping up and coming out in your life. I have challenged people in counseling that I would believe with all my heart that there's a direct correlation to abortion
0: and a lot of things that men are dealing with that have never been tied to that in their past.
1: The way they're acting out from that, the hurts, the losses, the unhealed things, all the that I listed unlisted. We get to the root of our hurt and loss. Sometimes it is abortion and other people we know it could be. Last thing on the other side, Somebody asked when I handed this out. Is this a test? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it, it's only a test. And will you take these home with you? know the table. And will you look at these as questions that you can think about? But also another generation starter, uh, conversation starter around the table for you and, and everyone. So with this, I'm there's a couple of minutes is there any questions anything that you want to ask me or anything else to share um, about things you might do or questions you have it, I would walk through it. So that's why I've tried to be very sensitive at times and places. Um, And I'm sharing the story um, for me and us. But um, I I remain in prayer for both. Good question. See, that's a barrier to sharing the story sometimes is that what is this going to mean to my reputation or my family didn't know? That's why I chose to say, look, there's some stuff messing me up and you guys have had a dad that yelled and screamed. He didn't know it, but drink drank all the time. And it was coming from a bad place. Here's part of that story. So that was huge. But everybody can't go there. And your kids might go, oh, gosh, I do want to talk to you again. You know, so it's a rough one.
0: You've been listening to the New Canaan Society Podcast for the Franklin, Tennessee chapter remember to check out Harrington Interactive Media and get your book to print. They edit, package, and help you put your book on Amazon if you're an author, organization, or a publisher. That's HarringtonInteractive.com.